it's um, <clears throat> moving to me to see so many kids excited about the Lord, and uh, the effort that it takes is immense, and I do echo Seamus's thanks and gratitude to all those who helped with this, those who committed to bringing your kids, and those who worked to make it happen. <clears throat> I've been thinking a lot about the past the last few weeks, for we are about to celebrate our 50th anniversary as a church. Uh, I hope that you're getting excited about June 22nd. Uh, it's day the day we're going to celebrate, around about the day that our church started 50 years ago. And uh, we're going to have a, a great time uh, talking about the past and, and sharing some memories. We're going to have uh, games and activities outside on that Sunday afternoon, a picnic at 5 o'clock, and then uh, a, a celebration service here inside the worship center at 6. And uh, looking forward to that, and I hope you'll be able to be a part of that with us. <clears throat> I also have thought a lot about the future. You know, we uh, just have shown you a lot of our future. Uh, these children uh, that are raising, uh, that we're raising, that will be the next generation. And I, I've thought about, particularly as we come to this portion of 1 Kings where God is preparing for the future by bringing to Elijah uh, another man, a, a helper, a servant, uh, who will be his uh, protege, who will follow after Elijah is gone. His name is Elisha. Friends, we have to think about, and I want us to think about the call of God today, the call of God on our life, the call of God on us as we're placed here in this place to have an impact on this community, to have an impact on future generations. I wonder what Northside will be like in 50 years. You see, God always calls people. God has prepared a future for Northside Christian Church. The question is, will we answer the call? God calls Elisha, we'll find out today, and Elisha answers the call. So I have three points today to talk about, three points about God's call. The first is this, God's call forces us to make difficult choices. God's call forces us to make difficult choices. We can't do it all. We can't do everything. We can't be dedicated to building an empire for ourselves and also building up people for the kingdom of God. We can't be dedicated to our own pleasure, to our own purposes, and fulfill the purpose, the pleasure of God as he sees his people come to him. Here we find in 1 Kings 19, verse 19 tells us, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. You might wonder, what in the world is that? Now, in the Old Testament, the prophets was a unique office. In the Old Testament, they didn't have a Bible to turn to. They couldn't bring their scriptures with them, and they couldn't look up online Bible verses. Uh, to have God's message to get, have God's revelation shared to people, it took a prophet, a spokesman for God. 
And God would call different people to be a prophet. It was their individual call. Today, I want you to clearly understand, when I talk about God's call, there are two types of God's call for each one of us. First, there's a general call. The general call, this is unique, uh, excuse me, universal. This is for all of us, God's general call. His general call is this to you. It is to turn away from living a life devoted to self, that pleases self, and to turn to a life where you're Christ-centered, to turn to a life where you want to please God with your life. In other words, he wants you to turn from being a child of the world to being a child of his, to being a man or woman of God. That's the general call that God has for all of us, and we all share that. God wants each one of us to be his children. As the kids told you, no matter the circumstances of our life, God loves us. God wants us to be family with him. We must respond by faith. We must respond by following his process of conversion. We must respond by living not just that one time as we make that initial commitment, but continuing to seek to live for him. That's the general call for each of us. But then there's God's individual call or his specific call. That is, he equips us with different gifts, and he calls us to different types of ministry. Here, we're talking about the call of an Old Testament prophet. But in today's life, the call could be to, to become a, a Bible school teacher. The, the call could be to become a minister, an evangelist. The call could be to become an overseas missionary. The, the call, however, is I want you to understand for each one of us that perhaps are not called to vocational service, there is an individual call that God has for each one of us. It is to minister, to be a missionary for him where we are. It's to be a missionary in our household. It's to be a missionary at our workplace. It's to be a missionary in our neighborhood. Not only in the way we live, but the things that we say. God has a call for each one of us. And just like for Elisha, God's call, it forces us to make difficult choices. What was so difficult about Elisha's choice? You need a little background. When it says he had 12 oxen teams, that means he came from a wealthy family. This was extraordinary wealth for that time. And Elisha, no doubt, had an important role in making sure the family farm kept functioning. He probably worked hard from sunup to sundown. No doubt, I have no doubt in my mind that Elisha, when he woke this day, had no understanding that by the end of the day he would no longer be a farmer but he would be a prophet of God. God doesn't often make it so dramatic, so instantaneous for us but make no mistake, God has a general call and an individual call on your life and if we answer that call, it means we have to make a choice. The way that Elijah shows Elisha what's going on, what it God is calling him to is throwing his cloak. The cloak of a prophet was very distinctive. And this throwing his cloak around him meant he claimed him. He was offering him this unique role of service. He was saying to him, I want you, Elisha, 
And you remember in the preceding verses, it told us that God told Elijah to go see Elisha and call him to follow. He says, Elisha, you have this call on your life. And so Elisha has a choice to make. As do we all. We can't live for the world and live for God. We try, but it always produces heartache. It produces mediocrity. It often ends up poorly. God's call also leads to painful separation. Painful separation, verse 20. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. You notice Elijah threw the cloak and then goes off. <laughs> it's uh, like so much about Elijah. He is kind of rough and, and ready. He goes and does what he does, and then he, he takes off. Elisha knows he must respond. This isn't going to be an open-ended invitation or call. Uh, so he runs after him. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah. What have I done to you? Elisha, the, the nature of this call and his response is, in, is meaningful in several ways. First, it's immediate. He, he doesn't sit and think about it. He, he understands that he needs to make this choice and he, he follows through. It's humble. It's humble as he recognizes that he can't bargain or negotiate here with God, with Elijah. He cannot make an arrangement where somehow he gets to be what he wants to do, or he gets to do what he wants to do and do what God wants him to do. And then it's human. He says, can I go tell my family goodbye? He doesn't want to just leave his family without any farewell. And we can understand that, can't we? Fortunately, I don't know that God works in such a dramatic, he doesn't work in such a, a, a time-sensitive way with us. But make no mistake, it does make us have to choose sometimes to do what God wants us to do and not what those closest to us want us to do. Yeah, I think this is sincere, his desire to say goodbye to his family. It's not an excuse. Sometimes in the New Testament, people would follow and they would respond to the call to follow Jesus with what we understand to be from context an excuse. One example is in Luke chapter 9, verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, if you understand the context there, we don't think, uh, the scholars don't think that the father was actually dead. He was saying, let me stay at home till, till my father dies one day. As we understand it and see the background, the context there, it is more of an excuse than a valid reason. It speaks well of Elisha here that that he's committed to his family. But it also speaks well of him that he's willing to leave his family and go where the Lord wants him to go, to serve where the Lord wants him to serve. You know, it's a fact of life that sometimes God's individual call to service does lead you elsewhere. It, it's hard to understand, but if you've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, you know that the, the Holy Spirit leads us to certain places. I have no doubt in my mind that the Holy Spirit led us, the Tiller family, to Warrensburg, Missouri, even though our families are 800 miles away. And we have 
close relationships with them. We are here because God brought us here. So also God asks for us sometimes these separations, but not always are they geographic. You see, sometimes when God calls us and there's a separation, it is more in ideology. It's more philosophical. It's more in lifestyle choice that we become separated from those closest to us. Jesus says what often are confusing words in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, you, you might read that and, and think, what is Jesus saying? You've you got to hate yourself. What's he saying? You can't be a son or a daughter. You, you can't be a good brother or sister if you follow Jesus. No, that's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is this. It is that as I call you and you come after me, that, that I need to be first in your life. I need to be first in your thoughts. I need to be first in your action. I need to be first in your lifestyle choices. Sometimes, friends, even if you don't have to go, if God calls you far away, you do have to go to a different lifestyle. You do have to go to a, a different philosophy of life from that which was first and most about self to that which is first and most about Christ. It can bring about changes. It can bring about uh, you're hopefully uncomfortable in worldly or ungodly settings with ungodly language being thrown around. And as you take a stand for the Lord, sometimes it can cause people you thought were your friends to turn their back. People you thought were close as family have harsh words, judgmental words to say. See, following God's call leads to painful separation because it means putting Jesus first and anyone else secondary. Now, hopefully, hopefully the people close to you, if not already close in following Jesus as a disciple, you can help them to make that change and that switch as well. But listen, if it comes down to a choice, God's call means to follow and to be faithful to Jesus first, no matter what. Elisha here hears this call, and he's willing to answer. He hears this call not knowing what it means, but knowing that he must put God first. And so I suggest and encourage each of us to, to think about emulating Elisha. What is God's call on our life? whether general or specific, and will we answer? Will we say yes? God has a call for Northside Christian Church in Warrensburg. The question is, will we who make up this body answer the call? Thirdly, a God's call requires decisive action. It requires decisive action. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. That's no small deal. Twelve team of oxen. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. This is the same language as 
when Moses knew that he would not make it into the promised land, God directed him to have Joshua become his servant, his mentee. He would become Joshua's mentor. Uh, Joshua would become his protege. He would follow after him. He would take care of future generations. It's the same language that's used in all of the scripture as you see one generation of leadership prepare for the next. And here, uh, that's what's going on, but it means going without delay. It means taking care of the past by burning the bridges to the past. That's what he was doing here as he slaughters his oxen and they have a, a celebration in the neighborhood. He's saying, I have made a choice. I am turning from the past and I'm looking toward the future. I'm not remaining in the past or servicing the past. I'm facing forward to the future. Friends, it is very important for us to celebrate our future as a church. It's very important for us to celebrate our families together. But I suggest to you that we cannot remain focused in or living in the past because the past is gone. We can't change it. We must look forward and face forward to the future. That's exactly what Elisha is doing here by burning the plow, by slaughtering the oxen. It's something that God has for us. Perhaps today, even today, is a turning point. We need to take care of bridges to the past by turning away from them, by burning them. What do I mean by that? Much as I was talking about the call, not necessarily being geographic separation, but ideological, philosophical, lifestyle separation, so I also mean that there are perhaps people in your life that pull you away from putting God first, that pull you away from God's call to you as a missionary for him. Let me suggest, that I, I would strongly suggest you distance yourself from anybody or anything that keeps you from putting him first. It's exactly what Elisha's doing here. You know, uh, baseball season comes around every year. I think of a, a famous old evangelist named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday played for the Chicago White Stockings back in the late 1800s, back in the early days of baseball. Baseball players were regarded kind of ne'er-do-wells, uh, kind of like here today and gone tomorrow. They weren't the celebrities and the idols they are today, but Billy Sunday was a very quick, speedy outfielder. He couldn't hit too good, but he was very much wanted as a baseball player because of his speed in stealing bases and covering the outfield. He was an outfielder and lived during the week kind of a wild and riotous lifestyle. And why the, those baseball players had such a bad reputation. But a gospel wagon came one day. He'd already been feeling like he, his life was being wasted and frittered away. A gospel wagon with an evangelist came, and he actually, in his sermons, because he became an evangelist who preached to over 100 million people, in his sermons he often would include this testimony. He would say he was, he was gripped with conviction of sin there in 1886, and, and he said to his fellow players, boys, I've come to the end of the line. I'm through with the old life, and I'm heading in a new direction. You know, the background of the Greek word for repentance, 
that God asks each of us to do is to be walking one way to change our mind and to change and head in a different direction. Billy Sunday did exactly that. He no longer went out and partied. He no longer did those wild things that the flesh called him to do. No, he turned from the past and he painted and pointed his life with the Jesus of the future. It's not wrong to plow a field, but if your plowing keeps you from Jesus, you better burn the plow. There's a lot of choices you can make in life, but any that take you away from Jesus, they're not worth making. It's not worth taking that path. Anything good can become a hindrance if it keeps you from following God's, God's call in your life. Elisha was saying, I'm following God, and no matter what happens, I'm not going back. The old life is over forever. A new day has come for me. Jesus said it this way in Luke. You got that verse? No? No? There it is. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I wonder if you've ever tried to plow by checking behind you. It's exactly what happens. You look and there's a crooked path because you're not facing forward to where you're going. The old movie, A League of Their Own, it's old now. You look at that movie, and Tom Hanks looks like a young man. Gina Davis, it describes a women's baseball, professional baseball league that played during World War II when most of the men were in the Army fighting overseas. And this team, coached by Tom Hanks, makes it to the Women's Baseball World Series. But right as they get ready to play, Gina Davis, who's their star catcher, her husband returns home from the war, and, and she thinks she needs to go home to be with him. Hanks, Tom Hanks' character, he confronts her by reminding her of her love of the game. She says, I don't love it, not like you. Oh, yes, you do, Hanks replies. It's in your blood. I can't do it, she said. It's too hard. That moment, Hanks' character pauses, and he grabs his face, and he grimaces, and he says this, you're right, it is hard. It's supposed to be hard. The hard is what makes it good. With that, she join, he joins the rest of the team on the bus while Gina Davis's character leaves to go home. But she ends up coming back for the seventh and final game. That statement is what I want to leave you with. The hard is what makes it good. Christianity following Jesus and putting him first, the hard is what makes it good. So today, I want you to think and to ask God, what is your call, God, on my life? Maybe you know it already. Maybe you're on that cusp of, of turning away from self and becoming a Christian, of putting him first, of confessing your sin to him, of claiming Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, of repenting of that sin and 
and being baptized into Christ to walk in righteousness the rest of your days. But maybe it's a, a more individual call. What is it God has prepared you to do? Maybe it is to follow him vocationally, to become a, a preacher or a missionary for him. But for most of us, I think it's going to be, what is God calling me? What ministry is he giving me where I am? And what is keeping me from embracing fully that ministry? Today, we can learn from Elisha about God's call. So I say one more time, <clears throat> I have no doubt that God has prepared a glorious future for Northside Christian Church, our work in Warrensburg. The question is, will we answer the call? Fathers, we think about these things today. I pray that, that you've spoken to us and through these words of Scripture and the words you've led me to say that you're speaking clearly to us. Let us respond, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's ministry time. If you have a decision to make for Christ, to become a Christian, we'd welcome that. And to join us formally here, we'd welcome that as well. But it is time to think as well about our ministry for him. All of us, each one of us have a ministry. It looks different for different ones of us. Each one of us has a ministry. How will we respond to God's call in our life? Let's stand together and sing.